Coming up, what an excellent day for excuses. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 55 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Dr. Klein saying, hold her tight. And ends with Dr. Tanny saying... You've heard the story. Same thing here. But what story is that? What story have these doctors come up with? Have they wheeled out on a rickety overhead projector to show us that all of this, all this stuff we just witnessed is completely normal and nothing out of the ordinary? We'll get to that. But first, let's go back to the aforementioned normal scene. We got Reagan screaming, mother, please. And Dr. Klein stepping in with another one of his needles. We got we got Carl and Dr. Tanny holding Reagan down. And then we got a close up of Carl and Dr. Klein as he administers this shot. So this is more of Reagan's actual point of view, right? So we talked in the previous minute. We talked a lot about how we get things that are close to a point of view shot. But this is the first one I can remember of Reagan's actual, actual point of view. Yes, this actually looks like she is looking up at uh, Dr. Klein and Carl, right? Someone mm-hmm. someone she loves, someone she trusts, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, they're they're pinning her down and- uh, We are getting stabbed by this shot. Yeah, by this Yes, shot. yes, we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and, and then meanwhile, Chris is being taken out of the room uh, by Sharon. And I, I wish I could hear what she was uh, saying. Or again, maybe I, maybe I don't. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. It sounds so full of anguish. Um, uh, and then they reach the doorway and Chris actually like grabs at it, right? She clings to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, uh, you know, she does not want to leave. As painful as this scene is, she can't bear to leave her daughter alone, right? Mm-hmm. She wants to stay even if she can't do anything. And that speaks again to that uh, uh, resilience, that persistence, that abiding force that is almost invisible, but which is felt so strongly sometimes throughout uh, uh, the course of this story, that refusal to leave, even if you've lost the battle, even after you've been shown that you are powerless in that particular situation, these characters will not leave. And again, like I, I would call this a loss for Captain Howdy because mm-hmm. like, look at his behavior in, in the previous minute. Like, look at what he was trying to do. He was trying to repulse. He was trying to repel. He was trying to turn Reagan into this, this fearful thing that they would be disgusted by. And all he managed to do was make them be afraid for her, right? Not of her, right? Like he, he shocked them. Yes. Um, sure. Um, but that shock wore off pretty quick when they saw how much Reagan was suffering, right? I, I, I don't – that that's feels so strange for me to think of it as a loss for Captain Howdy. It doesn't feel mm. like a win for them, which I know are two separate things, right? Right, yeah. Like a win for the humans. Ooh, hmm. Mm. That's really interesting to me. Certainly, they don't they don't think of this as having been a positive experience. No, so. no. This is definitely not like – you know, like like it's not I – would, I would agree with you. I would say – I would say um, that this is a loss for Captain Howdy, and this kind of goes into like a bigger thing that I'm going to like – I guess, reveal later on as we mm-hmm. get deeper into this, right? Um, but no, I also agree with you that this is not a win for them either. It's like right? a scorched earth sort of a win, I guess. Yeah, Ugh. right? Like this is, yeah. And, and we're going to find- like we burn the village down, but we didn't 
take the the county or something. Right, or right, yeah, yeah. And we're going to find out a little more about like his plans. I'm talking about Captain Howdy, right? We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna find out more about his plans later on, and and what he's actually trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. um, and and how this line of like keep away, right? Because he shouts like keep away, right? Might have a couple of meanings, but like right now, Chris is not listening, right? She's mm-hmm. not going to stay away, and and it actually takes Sharon to physically remove her from the room, and she still fights to stay. Um, I uh, did I miss something? Did the doctors ask her to leave, or what do you think? Is it, I don't think that happens, right? It's just sort of you know, no. Sharon. Sharon realizes like, well, there's there's nothing we can do here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's a decision uh, possibly by Sharon mm-hmm. um, here, which again, like more more Sharon stuff. I like seeing the mm-hmm. Sharon stuff. Um, but yeah, like the doctor, the doctors are busy. The doctors are, are occupied with Carl trying to you know trying to administer aid to Reagan. So they're right. not even you know like I don't know maybe in the in the confusion and chaos we might have uh, like heard Doctor Klein shouting is like get her out of here. Or, yeah, I don't you know. think so though. Right, I think it's all Sharon and and yeah. Again, I I think Sharon's a fascinating character as an mm. employee who's a little bit more than an employee. Like mm-hmm. like of all the other things we could have had, right? Like this this could have been. Um, uh, Chris's sister or something, right. you know, or Chris's mm-hmm. best friend from high school or, you know, that's, that's not what we've decided that Blatty has. It's, this is what, this is a, an employee you know, yes. who lives with them and, uh, um, and how quickly Sharon can get attached to this little girl as someone who isn't, you know, is, is also being employed by them, also making money off of it. Like, I don't know how Sharon, right. How does Sharon refer? Like, this is my boss. I don't know. Right. She says that, right. Yeah. And it's it, like, it's interesting that you point that out, right? Like, because if, if we had decided that uh, she was a sister or an aunt or, um, uh, or, or some, some kind of like relation to either, uh, mm-hmm. well, I guess it would be both right to, to Chris right. and Reagan, right. Then her, um, her resolve would be, um, called, she would be called to task in, in a different way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, right. like this is like, this is your sister who's going through this, or this is your, um, your niece who is going through this. And, and like, what does that say about you? All of your reactions, all of the, you know, whether you stay or go, whether you, um, you know, uh, help out or not, like that's, that's going to be a judgment on you. But like here it's like, but, but even again, if, if she were like a family friend who'd been around forever, like that's different. This is, this is someone who has taken this as a job and then, and then, like, you know, it, 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 this starts to happen. Sharon could be like, well, I'm going back to L.A., right? Because, yeah, right. like, this is, this goes beyond my pay grade. But that's not what Sharon does. She's 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 in this family despite herself, probably. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and, and it could be uh, it could it could be this way for for all of them. Right. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Sharon. Right. I'm talking about Willie. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Carl. Right. Like and again, like. Like I don't know, I don't I don't know how much uh, longer I can kind of like keep this held back. This this this, this big thesis statement that I have about this movie, but like yeah, just folks pay yeah, attention. Keep them keep them listening. Keep, keep, keep them listening. Keep them yeah, yeah. one more. Yeah. Keep keep them on their toes, you know. Um, <laughs> But no, like, like I have, I have something, uh, I, I have a lot of things to say about the fact that like none of these characters, um, are leaving, right? They, right. they're all, they're all sticking around, even the ones who aren't like, uh, quote unquote, like blood related, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, that, that says something that's like a very, very quiet and, and like I- inconspicuous statement that Blatty is making, mm-hmm. um, and that maybe Friedkin even picked up on accidentally, like he, mm-hmm. like, it's like just he, sort of in the fabric of the of the things, so right, he, right. Hmm. But it's it's something that like, and I I've read um, papers uh, that Blatty has written later on that that kind of address this and kind of like confirm my like uh, belief about like like what the heart of this story hmm. is, and that so, might even be extrapolated to Father Dyer and Detective Kinderman. Yes, you're saying, yeah, precisely. Yes, okay, yes. that's so, interesting. 
So yeah, so like I'm dropping these hints, folks. Like, but but <laughs> listen in, like about like the, um, I guess I guess for now we can call it the like the 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 persistence of good, the resilience mm-hmm. of good, right? You know, uh, the power that you know. Again, like we've talked about it before, it's it's not, it's not always like bombastic and mm-hmm. and like to to rival, uh, you know, the the kind of like the loudness and the crudeness of the evil here, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna have like the power of Christ, you know, we're gonna have that right. bombacity, you know, later on, but pay attention to these like quiet moments of goodness, right? Just, mm-hmm. just the, like not anything active, but just like the not leaving parts. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So again, here's my, um, here's my, uh, inexperienced or hacky screenplay impulses, right? Okay. Like, oh, we want to make this a thing. We'd make this a scene. And afterwards, after Sharon drags Chris out of there, then it's Chris saying, thank you so much for being there for me, Sharon. <laughs> right, <laughs> I, exactly. I didn't know who I was in there and luckily you're with me. And yeah. I just don't know why you don't go away. But Chris, no, no, it's a Miss McNeil. I mean, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would be, right? Right. Please, please call me Chris. Right, right exactly. <laughs> and they hold hands. They look we're, we're more than just boss and employee. You know. <laughs> We've been through the fire now. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I, if anything, I thought of you as another daughter, but now, now I see like you've helped me raise my daughter. Oh my god! And that's and that's when, <laughs> and that's when Captain Howdy in the other room we hear is like, oh shut oh, up, God. We now, we now. I'll go. Do you just want me to go? I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me sick. <laughs> yeah, all this, all this sappiness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but okay. So then uh, the door is closed, and this is such a great cut. I I can't get over how the door literally closes the scene, right? Mm-hmm, like right. on one side of that door is like noise and chaos and anguish and screaming. And on the other side, out in the hall is a new scene, mm-hmm. completely silent, completely still. I, I love this cut so much. We like, we have, we have closed the door on all that chaos. Mm-hmm. And now we are out here and we don't even see Chris and Sharon at first, right? right? Like we just see this corner corner of the hallway and we're, we're down low again as if we're on the steps perhaps like walking up the stairs and we've stopped to peer through the bars of the banister are the are these prison bars like are we outside the prison looking in or is it the other way around you know um yeah, are, but, are you locked in here with me or am i locked in here with you precisely right like like you know we have a similar thing in bellevue when we have uh father father Karras going through there and it's not just like like he's trapped or something it's also like he can't help like like these bars right. are separating you like similar to that um those shots of chris in the radiologist uh, safe area I yes suppose, right? like, mm-hmm. like these things that are separating people aren't just like for protection or, or they're they're often like Im- impediments to uh to compassion right right so it's not just like keeping you from like being free it's mm-hmm. it's like you are you are not free to um to to help yeah, somebody you're powerless else. To, yeah. to intervene right oh my god yeah i i just realized this as we're looking at this shot so mm-hmm. um that we just completely forget about the attic, don't we? Like we don't like the attic. Like the attic oh, yeah. is right above Reagan's door there, like the door right. of the attic. Mm-hmm. And we have just com- the movie just completely moves on from there. Like we don't again, like bad, <laughs> bad, inexperienced, uh, um, uh, inconfident um, screenwriter would be like, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> we we, we thought all of our attic. attention above there, and look, it's just a foot lower than that. And we get Reagan's door. Oh, Miss McNeil, you shouldn't you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. No, Sharon, call me Chris. Yeah. <laughs> There's like th- in our version, there's like three or four scenes where where Chris says, "Sharon, call me Chris." It's, like they forget. Like, <laughs> but every time it, we get the same like shot of Sharon, shot of Chris, shot of Sharon. Right, like, right. Really making that a moment. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Like I was, I was thinking like, cause, cause in this, in this image, like we see the, um, uh, the hooky stick pull down oh, thing. Oh yeah. There's our, there's our friend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's just kind of like, like leaning there and it's like, hey, does, it, does anybody need me anymore? Like, <laughs> yeah, we never, like, we never like, Hey, let's go catch the ultimate evil up there. That's where the queen is or something like right. that. Yeah. We never, ever address it again. I think. Right. Yeah. The attic is not a thing anymore. No. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, even like, like, yeah, Karis comes over and he's like, well, let's get a look at that attic. No, he doesn't no. care. Right. Like, and Marin's not like, oh yeah, there's something in that attic. Like <laughs> nobody cares about that attic anymore. Right. Meanwhile, the mice are up there. Right? Yeah. They're finally, they're finally. Yeah. <laughs> Remy's up there. <laughs> Remy's up there. Ratatouille's up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's just, yeah, that's just to piss off people. Like, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Answer. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> and the Exorcist. He's up there. <laughs> yeah, he's there. The Baba Duck is up yeah. there. And Bride of Chucky and everybody. Yep, yep. All of them. So, yeah. So, we're, so we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about, um, you know, our view of this, of this bedroom door, right? And it's separated by these, these bars of this banister, right? And beyond those bars is the door to Reagan's bedroom. Um, and, but right now all is silent from inside, right? Um, and uh, like, I also want to say this is the first shot of a new scene. And it's after a scene where I literally had to pause, rewind, pause, rewind, pause, rewind, just so I could catch like all of the stuff that is going on, that is going by so fast and all at the same time. And this right here is the polar opposite of that. Like our first shot in this scene lingers for a long time on the stillness of this hallway, after which we have like another lingering shot. And hey, look at this, folks. We see the same hallway from a different angle. And look at this. Chris and Sharon are right outside the door, right? They had to leave the room, but they still could not bring themselves to go too far. They are literally right outside. And I can, yeah, I can almost see- Chris's bedroom is right there, so- yeah. They could have gone there, they could right? Have gone there, right? Or they could have gone downstairs, right? Mm-hmm. Had some had some brandy or, or whatever, right, to calm their nerves, right? right? I can I can actually almost see that scene. Sharon's like, like Chris, you want to go downstairs and and have some tea or some some water or cigarette to calm your nerves? And Chris is is like, is like, no, 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 I'm I'm staying right here until they come out. And right. also, call me Chris. <laughs> oh, it's like, but I but I did. I was like. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not leaving. Not without my daughter. Isn't that a Sally Field thing? That's not without Sally my Field daughter. Yeah, not without go. my daughter. There we go. It's 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 coming around. It's coming around. We're talking about Sally Field the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look yeah. at a biography now of Harvey Firestein. <laughs> Harvey Firestein is a playwright and actor, most notable for his uh, his Torch Song trilogy. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like this show, Keenan. I feel like this show is being taken over by Captain Howdy. He doesn't. He doesn't like us talking about him. Right, giving away his secrets. Right, and so and so he's like he's like whispering in our in our ears in our little in our little head, headphones, and he's like, hey hey hey, talk about Sally Fields. You know, she's like, great. She's she's really awesome. She he he's a fan of Sally Fields, oh, right? Yeah, like, because sure. who isn't? Who isn't? There's nobody. There's nobody on this earth or above the earth or under the earth or who isn't? Right. Absolutely. I don't want to. I don't want to hear from those people. They no. Don't like no. Sally there's a special place in hell for those people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, he is, he is, he is here with us, Keenan, and he is distracting us and he is trying to keep us from talking about, cause, cause he knows what's going to happen at the end. Right. right. So, so he doesn't want us to get there. <laughs> God. Okay. Okay. So, but yeah, like, like I said, this is, this is the first shot of a new scene, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it could not be more different from, uh, the other ones, right? right. Like it's, it's, it's lingering on, uh, this hallway, this corner, uh, like right by Reagan's room. And then it's lingering on, uh, Chris 
and Sharon. And yeah, again, like this is, this is kind of like proof to my, like my whole thesis thing is that they didn't stray far from the room. Mm -hmm. They are, they're literally on that little step on that little like first landing. Right. And they're sitting there right outside. And, and, and we have no way of knowing how long they've been out there, right. Long enough for whatever's going on in the room to, uh, quiet down. Right. Um, they're, they're wearing the same clothes. Um, but Chris looks exhausted. She looks done in. And the beginning of the shot is really still. Chris is like a statue. And I think, I think that's where our eye is going to fall naturally. Um, it's going to fall on Chris and just like, like how she looks. Right? Yeah. Part of it is Sharon is looking over at Chris. So if we happen, if our eye happens to make the wrong decision or what have you and go to Sharon, then we're told to go to Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but like, even then, right. Like we see that she's been looking at Chris this whole time, mm -hmm. uh, with, with this mixture of pity and also like this shared anguish, which we don't see at first. And then right. she moves, she looks down mm -hmm. or, or she begins to look down. And that's like the only movement from these two right. is that she begins to look down, right? She's, she's starting to look down in like, you know, I don't know, despair or just kind of like her own, uh, she's, she's going to like, you know, deal with her own thoughts right now. Right. I mean, she's like, at, she's thinking about her paycheck. She's thinking about like, yeah. when are we, like, okay. <laughs> when are we going to get paid so I can it's get like, out of here? It's, it's an hour after quitting time. How do I bring this up bring nicely? This up, right. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Miss McNeil, do you, do you have the, uh, the time I, I left, I left my watch in there. Um, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go back and get it. So like, do you know, do you know what time it is? Like, Oh gosh, it's like, Oh, it's so late. <laughs> yeah. It's really late. Huh? Yes. Uh, so Miss McNeil, please call me Chris. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and no, you're staying here. <laughs> right. <laughs> But no, okay. Sorry, sorry, guys. Like, we're we're making so many jokes, but like, it's it's just oh, it's it's hard. This is a heavy minute. Um, so if you look at this, right? Um, so Sharon, she begins she begins to look down. She right. doesn't even get all the way down. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when we hear the door. And again, watching this in like microseconds, we right. see that like at the sound of that door, both women have a reaction and it's, and it's actually very different, right? Sharon sort of uh, starts and she looks hopefully towards it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and maybe just because I'm pausing and I'm, I'm looking at this thing like insanely close, right? Uh, I see that Chris goes from being completely exhausted and done in to high alert Absolutely. In, in like a split second. Like, mm -hmm. like there's this frame before she turns completely around and you see in her face, it's like, all right. Now we get some goddamn answers, mm -hmm. right? Um, and yeah, so they both stand up and the camera stands up with them, right. which is weird. But like, and, and out of this room come two little boys who look like they got to explain to mom why her daughter is broken, right? Like they, That is a fantastic way of putting it, yes. They look like they are in so much trouble. Mm -hmm. Like they broke a window or something like that, right? <laughs> like and, and Klein is rubbing the back of his head mm -hmm. like in this in this classic pose. Like you see it in animation all the time, right? Like when a character is feeling embarrassed or guilty mm -hmm. about something, right? And Dr. Can Tanny is, is very much like hanging back. Yeah, like, you he's go like, I'm going gonna, gonna to let my big brother like deal with this and talk to mom. Like, oh my God, right? I mean, I'm just the robot brother. Yeah, so. I'm just the robot brother. I'm just, you know. I'm the precious third child. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, just like feeling so embarrassed or guilty about something, right? Yeah, they are teeny tiny in the back there. So yes. Two men, they, they are, oh, like maybe a tenth of the frame is them where Chris and Sharon are about, you know, almost almost half of the screen is them. Right, right? yeah. And so so Dr. Tanny, he, doc, tiny Dr. Tanny, right? <laughs> 
he he closes the door and and they sort of just kind of like stand there and and we cut to a shot from behind them on the other side of the hallway and Chris is all the way at the far end almost in darkness right, right. we're talking about shadows we're talking about that German expressionist you know stuff and and I didn't even notice this Keenan this is when Sharon kind of like takes her leave she sort of like slips away quietly and heads down the stairs probably you know to give Chris some privacy right. but I, again it also mumbling serves- something about uh, having an appointment with the horse man <laughs> right it's like, I gotta, you know. gotta see a man about a horse right gotta see yeah, literally <laughs> <laughs> You hear Captain Howdy from the room. He's like, hey, uh, <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> yeah, but I'd like that shot of of the men's point of view and, and denying them Chris and Sharon's real feeling because they're like, you know, they're trying to like feel out Chris and Sharon, right? Like, like, oh, God, right. are they are they mad at us? Of course mm-hmm. they are. But you know, of course. Anyway, how do we how do we start to broach this question, this conversation? And, and yeah. they don't get any information back from the ladies. Right, right. Um, and yeah, like it, it's just so like expertly done how how Sharon just kind of like slips away like mm-hmm. very, very quietly, right? Right. Um, and it's probably like like in like story-wise, it's it's to give Chris some privacy, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, this is a sensitive subject. But again, also like technical-wise, like it, it's it, it isolates her in the face of these two men, right. right? These two doctors who, you know, whom she has entrusted with her daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you can even see Chris like watch Sharon go with this like sad expression, right? But then she turns her attention to Klein as he says, she's heavily sedated. And we cut again. And now we're looking at both doctors mm-hmm. as he continues in, you know, he says, uh, she'll probably sleep through tomorrow. And again, with Tanny in the back, sort of like mm, adjusting himself, sort of like redawning that air of authority. They're, they're mm-hmm. both like slowly trying to put back the mantle of doctor and authority figure, right? Like, you know, so they're going from boys to men. Um, <laughs> like- <laughs> right. But they, they left their they left their jackets in the other room. They left their, their sports yeah. coats in the other room. So good luck mm-hmm. trying to be grownups, little boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like T- Tanny doesn't know where, where to put his hands, right? Yeah, yeah. So trying to like, yeah, trying to put this like, like hands on hips type thing. That, that's going on. Yeah, here. I guess their their winter coats are in there and their sports jackets, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so they've yeah. lost like two layers of clothes that are inside because they right. come in with their full winter clothes on. Yes, yes. Right. So now they're so now they're just small little men <laughs> uh, trying to trying to trying to act like they know what they're talking about, right? right. And trying to put on this like united face, right? Mm-hmm, like this mm-hmm. this is the both of us saying this. But as you say, like um like as Sharon goes, Klein steps forward, so he's a little bit separated on the plane from Tant from Tanny, right, right? Right. So he's 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 like it's his job to sort of um take the the point here, right, and like mm-hmm. like go it closer. But Tanny's like on his side, but still like if this guy fucks up, I'm back here, right? I'm not yeah. I'm not quite with this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want I just want Klein to say something, and then we just like in the back we we see like an expression from Tanny's like what? <laughs> It's like, like a, she's heavy. Like she's she's probably gonna sleep until until the morning. She is. Like I mean I mean I mean I mean she is. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a, a Keenan Thompson type reaction. Yeah. That just sort of like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Look at. <laughs> Lee, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So we 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 cut back to Chris. And again, that like resolve, mm-hmm. like made so much more clear after we've seen the like kind of like clueless expressions of the doctors, right? Like she's got this like steely gaze locked on Klein as she asks uh, what was going on in there. How could she fly off the bed like that? And I love how 
helpless and plaintive she sounds mm-hmm. and how it does not match at all with her face right. with with like the way she's standing with the way she's holding herself like if you just play the sound and you close your eyes you would think that she's like begging she's pleading for help but if you just watch the scene without sound you can see that she is not pleading for help she is demanding answers mm-hmm. and she does not break eye contact with Klein until Tanny speaks mm-hmm. and again it's this look like okay now you go you speak tell me what's going on right yeah, but she's all- in she's again where where we had Dr. Klein in previous minutes like almost center punch but not quite like in that hero position now she's in that position she's, she's right. the center of the frame and and they have to get through her to, to even you know get permission to go home right to get right, their jackets yeah. or anything right and she's she has all of this like yeah you're right about the voice disconnect but she has all this wound up energy right yes like a like mm-hmm. a watch spring yeah and all you got to do is look at what she's doing to like whatever that is is that a, a tissue or a, or a handkerchief or well or, it was I think <laughs> by yeah. the, at the beginning of the scene it was something physical and now now it's completely destroyed right yeah what it's supposed to be is Dr. Klein's neck but, uh, <laughs> yeah because she has it in the previous scene where she's been in 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 the room with Reagan right um, and she she's beginning to destroy it and by the end of this it's tiny teenies yeah teeny yeah. tiny so tanny sized yeah right <laughs> But yeah, like, yeah, so, and she's also like, we're looking at her face and she's got this like set to her chin and her mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, she turns to Tanny, you know, and, and awaits his explanation, but she's also got this, like, you better not be giving me some like pathological bullshit right? <laughs> uh-huh. to which he says pathological stage can induce abnormal strength, right? Accelerated motor performance. He then, he then begins to tell that old chestnut of, mm-hmm. you know, like that old story about the, the 90 pound woman saving her child from under the wheel of a truck. And, mm-hmm. and you can see as soon as she, as, as he starts to go into that story, Chris sort of like allows herself to listen. She sits down on the edge of that uh, that dresser or maybe maybe she like leans against it mm-hmm. and she is once again warily placing trust back into the hands of these doctors but not fully, not completely. That look says that like she's listening but it's also in the tone of like, go on, I'm listening. It's like she would like to believe them but knows that she's not going to, right? Like she's like, right. okay, I would I I I would love to like like you say it's the old chestnut and and like at this point people have already heard this, which is what I want to talk about. Like this is this is an old story. So when he starts that sentence, she's like, "Okay, I've heard this before." Mm-hmm. God, I hope that's true. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because because the, if he's wrong, then oh my goodness, who knows. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, folks, and we're not saying that the that the story is bullshit, right? Like, but like Chris, we're skeptical of whether or not it has anything to do with what's going on here. Well, I I was skeptical enough of the story to see how how much this is backed up by evidence. So, Oh, okay. All right. I have found this is hysterical strength. This is the Wikipedia article for It actually uses the word hysterical? That's what it's called. Hysterical like as in as in strength. hysterectomy as uh-huh. in uterus like right. okay. This, this mother's being hysterical. Now, so what are the parts of the story that you would need to have happened for it to count for you, Lester, as being true and not an urban legend? Like what are the key parts of it? If it's a if it's two buddies and they're drunk, Mm-hmm. And a um, a power wheel falls on them, mm-hmm. and one of the other ones is able to lift eighty pounds. <laughs> like, does that mm-hmm. count? Like, like what? What are the key parts of this to test before we see if this has actually ever happened before? I would say now, if does I'm it have going... to be a ninety pound mother, mm, a, no, a I child? Don't... Yeah, what, what what do you need? I don't think I don't think that factors in. Mm-hmm. I think I think it is. It's. It, it definitely is 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 coming off as like a a mind over matter thing. Uh-huh. When 
one person right. l- loves another person or cares for another person so much mm-hmm. that their their physical body um, kind of like takes a backseat to whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. And so like suddenly now their brain is pumping, you know, their body full of the chemicals it needs to like lift that car or, um, you know, move that object or save that, um, you know, child, you know, is usually a child mm-hmm. from like a tiger or something like that. Right. <laughs> and I can, okay. I can, I can see that happening and, and I can see like afterwards that person's body is going to be wrecked, right. right? Like, like they're not going to realize probably, probably what's happening is they're, they're, um, not noticing the pain mm-hmm. of what they are physically doing because that is secondary to saving the child. Right. Okay. So, so and then, it, and then, does it have to be a child for this to count? Um, I, <laughs> cause here's my thing. If it is a, if it is one, woman lifting mm-hmm. a car yeah to save her child mm-hmm. then i can only find one incident that's named in the entire history of the world where that's the case that's happened hmm. okay and it is after the exorcist came out <laughs> oh. so so that that kind of breaks this so the one instance where i can find with people's names and like you know um newspaper clippings saying this happened is in 1982 in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and Mrs. Angela Carvalho um, lifted a car off of her teenage son while he was trying to change the tire. He was, or he was he, not change the tire. He was underneath the car, so the the jack had fallen onto her 16 year old child, and she lifted the car inexplicably. Um, so again, that's after the Exorcist came out. So you know that might be a result of you know now we're now news stories are are there forever right um, yeah yeah after, after a certain point in the internet they're there forever they're hard to take down um but that's the only instance i can find of a mother by herself pulling a car off of her child hmm. there are other you know crazy instances and, I, and I'm, I'm basing this mainly off of this wikipedia article but i did yeah. other research there a lot of them are talking about the events that are already listed here so this seems to be the most complete version of them hmm. there wasn't an, an instance in 2006 where a mother fought a polar bear oh. um like you were talking about like fighting a lion or fighting a wolf right so that was lydia and saving her children um or at least fighting off a polar bear long enough for a hunter to take the shot and kill the polar bear right 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 um there are a bunch of stories of people lifting up cars um mm-hmm. oftentimes they are men or, or they are women in groups with other men Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that is a little bit harder to say, oh, that was this hysterical strength. That's because of the, um, the love of it. And sometimes these are strangers where people have lifted up cars off of strangers. So it doesn't necessarily need to be, yeah, that love overpowering you and, and binding hmm. you to it. Um, I saw one instance that was a, um, again, later, this is when they were shooting Magnum PI in uh-huh. Hawaii and there was a helicopter that had crashed and a one man lifted the 1400 pound helicopter in order to save the pilot, which is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. But uh, is not quite the same as the, the you know, the, what we've been told the story is, I would say, of the mm. love of the mother um, giving her superhuman strength temporarily. Right, right. And I don't, like, yeah, it's, 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 I, th- I think that part of it is uh, maybe, uh, oh, we're, we're back to, like, like uh, uh, causation and correlation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, talking about, like, I, I, I think whatever it is, like, the desire to to do something like seemingly superhuman i think i i do believe that our bodies are 
more capable than we know. Yes. And there are things that we think we cannot do that we think are impossible, but given the right motivation. And for that mother, it might be the love of her child. Mm-hmm. But for somebody else, it might be, I don't know, something something completely different. It might be, it might be like the the need to like survive, just save your own life, mm-hmm. or or to um like you're saying, like like save a random stranger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're in that position, you're like, oh my goodness, and you go into um flight or flight, right? Fight or flight. Fight or flight, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or now it's a fight, flight, or freeze. Or now now oh. there's fawn also. There's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Oh, what's fawn? Fawn is like when you like ingratiate yourself to towards the thing that is going to eat you up like to it's like hey don't eat me up oh, like we're buddies wow. we're, I'm, I'm your friend and you know oh, that's really interesting that that uh, i haven't heard of this i'm just sort of guessing sorry mm-hmm. you're on the air but yeah. but is that that's the kind of thing about you know like when when people are like sexually harassed and they end up s- smiling against their will and then afterwards they're like why the hell did i do that right yeah right like and it, it, like just this instinct of like like this this may make the threat go away right. i don't know but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna like you know take a gamble here right, right. but like ultimately wow. and and that is like incorrectly like viewed as like oh she smiles uh, right you know she it's like, it. like these exactly. yeah these these assholes who are you know like taking advantage of that that's ammunition for them to say that like uh, that, that they weren't doing anything wrong but like right. but no it's it's an animal thing of like i guess we, we don't have like a, a definitive um uh say on it but like yeah we we grew up and it was fight or flight and mm-hmm. then it became fight flight or freeze mm. and now the latest thing that i'm hearing is fight flight freeze and fawn right and you and you might also have that like with um uh children and, and parents like mm-hmm. in an abusive like like relationship or something like that right. or like even like a hostage situation or mm-hmm. something like that like that could be what's what's that called um, Stockholm syndrome Stockholm syndrome right yeah right. like the like if I'm friendly towards you then that that might uh, I don't know like like give me give me a chance to get away or 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 hey maybe I could just melt your heart and you won't kill me right and that seems to have happened sometimes so that seems yes. to work but yeah you're you're of course you're not consciously thinking about any of this when you're going into no. that. the point is that your um all of your systems take over your system your um, sympathetic systems and everything just just take over and control you right that yeah. that might explain one of these sad this is very sad oh. um worse than hostage situations so sometimes mm. i i laugh when i tell this because it's so oh. it's so awful okay. <laughs> so i apologize so just I'm, just I'm putting this up it. front yeah this, <laughs> we're putting this up front because like it whatever whatever keenan is about to say <laughs> now you got me laughing <laughs> exactly because it's so terrible but there it's are some really, yeah there are some small mammals when they get cornered mm-hmm. who end up grooming themselves and it's it's oh. like so when they get cornered by like a, a predator or something uh-huh. like their system takes over and they're like we i don't know what to do and so they just sit there and, and make themselves more vulnerable which is just oh. so awful yeah and they start like licking the back of their hands and not moving and then that just gives the predator this chance you know to come in and right. eat them um it just it's awful right i mean like that's their that's their evolution and their instinct working completely right. in the wrong direction and, and getting them eaten and and it's not like like what you're saying. It's not like a, a calculated thing, like in hopes that they'll like feel sympathy or anything. No, like that. Isn't, but isn't that just terrible? Isn't yes. that just the worst thing? Oh <laughs> like God. they're just sitting in this corner and they're just like, well, gotta gotta be clean. Yeah, they, they just yeah. don't know any better, right? They, yeah. Oh no, yeah, they just, oh they just can't think, right? So, oh anyways, yeah, I, I agree with you that like the body takes over. Um, they uh, with this hysterical strength idea, they were thinking in the old days it was like adrenaline in your adrenal glands. But mm-hmm. now they think it's more like um, norepinephrine. So just, again, mm-hmm. like taking over as part of the fight or flight or right. freeze or fawn. I'll have to remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, I, a, a repeated idea of this over and over again is that this is where Jack Kirby invented the Hulk because he saw, he claims that he saw a woman lift a car off of her baby. Huh. But before the exorcist, I'm having trouble finding... Um, you know, as much as Jack Kirby says, and this is what made him think of the Hulk, and you know, this power inside of you you don't have, you don't have. Mm-hmm. Look, we don't have 
corresponding evidence of of that woman, you know, in a newspaper article or or anything. So I don't want to call Jack Kirby a liar or anything, right. but I'm saying that like his his claim that he saw that he says he witnessed this, not that he heard it. Mm-hmm. Right, because everyone has heard this story, as Dr. Tanny right. saying, like everyone knows this story. Um, but but Jack Kirby says he saw it, but there is no name attached to that or date or or anything. Well, see, that actually makes me think the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. it's got to be like so common that like like we don't even bother like like n- that it wouldn't p- make the newspaper if, if that well, happened. Or I mean, like yeah, like like he's talking about. I was like, oh, you've heard the story. Same mm-hmm. thing here. Like as if as if it's like just kind of. And and I don't know if this is this is a fault of Dr. Tanny mm-hmm. or not, but like he's he's talking about it like everybody knows this, right? Like everybody has 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 like like you have a brother who's done this, like you right. have a you have a you know your cousin's uncle's you know second cousin <laughs> second twice cousin, removed, yeah. right? And like has has had this happen to them, right? Like it, it sounds I don't know, like because it, like your point about like like there only being like that documented case like after the Exorcist mm-hmm. came out. Now I'm thinking, well, then how did Blatty? Like come up with this like well, fantastical it, thing. It could you have know. been an urban legend, which is my point. You, you, everybody knows that this happens. Everybody knows that that has the markings of urban urban legendry. <laughs> right. Like, um, um, what does Snopes call it? Uh, urban folklore is what they say instead of urban okay. legend, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody knows this happens. Everybody knows that if you um, if you see a car that doesn't have its lights on at night, uh, it might be a gang member who's trying to catch you by when you blink back at them to tell them to turn the lights on. That's their sign that they're supposed to go get you. Like everybody ah. knows this. Everybody knows that people. People have ended up in ice baths with kidneys taken out of them, but no one right. has names or dates when any of this has ever happened. Oh, okay. No one has ever caught anybody leaving razors for strangers' children in Right, Annie. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, they've only ever That's caught- That's been debunked. Um, yeah, they've only ever caught parents poisoning their chil- their own children. Their own children. Right. Yeah. They've never caught strangers doing it. They've never caught anybody um, hiding out under your car and slashing your Achilles tendon with a razor blade. Like, that's never- Again, if it happened, we don't have any evidence for it. So somehow we end up all knowing these stories. But, mm-hmm. but um, And I'm not saying that historical um, – it, it might also be one of those things that's just hard to – hard to measure right? because they are right. rare enough. But so like these hysterical strength incidences that are on this Wikipedia page and other listicles that I found that mm-hmm. um, all say the exact same things like, um, you know, this has happened before. I think, I think that's certainly true that people do get hysterical strength, but to the point where we could say that it's happened the way that Dr. Tanny assumes it has happened. Um, I, I, I will call BS on that. Interesting. Yeah. And folks, I mean, like, again, we have, we have listeners, like if you know, I would love to hear that would be, (laughs) that would be amazing. Right. I want to hear about that. From before 1971, when William Peter Blatty is writing it, I'd love to know Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, again, like the, the point here is like, Chris can feel incredulous about this because Mm -hmm. he says, oh, you, you must know this happens. But he, he doesn't say I once treated a patient who had the same thing as your daughter right. who exhibited hysterical strength. He's like, well, you know, this must happen somewhere. Or right. I read a study about little girls getting hysterical strength because of this. No, he just says, Right. He didn't even say that. No, it's like, just like, yeah. oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So his, <laughs> this is the kind of thing that happens. His his ethos, his his authority is like out the window. Right. Like, because, mm-hmm. yeah, because like, we're talking about um, um, in school right now, we're talking about ethos, pathos, logos, right? Like, Oh, I like don't making, know this. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, and we, we might actually like talk about this a little bit later um, when well, we're, you know, 
but but uh, I have a lecture on Aristotle coming up, so please tell me. Oh yes, okay. Well, <laughs> please tell me about ethos, pathos, and logos. Well, okay, so I'm so I really notes. yeah a, a a very shortened version right now um, for for the the argument that Dr. Tanny is trying to put forth right now is he is he is trying to convince uh, Chris that what is going on is not uncommon. It's happened before, mm-hmm. and so what he's going to want to do right there's there's three forms of argument that you can that you can put up right you can you can use ethos ethos is like you know is is uh, exhibiting your authority like mm-hmm. you said Keenan you could say I know what I'm talking about because this happened to me mm-hmm. I I treated a patient or I or you, he could even have said like I read a study right like I'm a doctor you you believe me because of these things right like I have authority and I have knowledge of this subject mm-hmm. right he didn't do that right, right. that's he the just, kind he of just, thing that Klein had done before of of when this happens before with yes. the legion in the temporal part of your brain, this changes personality that's documented. Trust me. Right. right. Yes. So he, so, so Dr. Tanny is trying to do that, but like, he just kind of like rattles off this, like what could be, you know, an old wives tale. We don't know. Right. Um, God, I feel bad. It's like hysterical strength and now old wives tales. I swear I'm not. <laughs> well, what, what's the PC term for old wives tales? There must be something. A fable, rumor, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but he he just rattles off this story, right? This big fish story. There we go. Ha ha. Um, yeah, this big fish. We're, yeah. Um, so he, he rattles off this story, and and he has nothing to back it up, right? Mm-hmm. And although, like, and he's not even you know trying to do like um, you know pathos and logos, and th- those are the other two. Like, so pathos is um, you know you you appeal to the the person's. Um, you know, sympathy, mm-hmm. empathy, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're, they're pathological, right? And he's even talking about pathological states, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like, you, you know, you appeal to their emotions, right? Um, and then logos, logos is actually like the weakest one, right? Like okay. if you try to win an argument with just logos, you're gonna lose because even though logos is like logic, logical, right? Like none of us think that way. None of us, none of us argue that way. And none of us win arguments with just logos, right? Like the example, the example we're using here and oh my God, we fall into the Shakespeare trap. <laughs> But no, we're, we're we're looking at um we're looking at Julius Caesar, mm-hmm. right? And uh, near the end of well, like like in the, in the middle, like right after Caesar's death. Spoilers, guys. Um, right after Caesar's death, uh, we have those two big uh, like famous speeches: one by Brutus and one by Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony is the guy who's like friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, right? right? But before him is Brutus, and Brutus makes this argument that is that is basically like all logic and all logos he's like it's not that i that i loved caesar less but i loved rome more Mm -hmm. here's my here's my powerpoint presentation of why i killed caesar and why it's a good thing that we killed caesar and and it sounds like you need a venn diagram to understand what he says yes (laughs) yes right and then and then you know he's like and i you know i'm gonna all you know in in the in the name of fairness i'm gonna let mark anthony speak that was a bad idea brutus Because then, because then Mark Anthony comes in and he's literally holding the fucking body, mm, right? right? And and he lays it out and he's like, "Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend us, lend me your ears." Mm-hmm. And he goes like heavy, heavy, heavy on the pathos, right? Like mm-hmm. he talks about you know when when Caesar was alive and how he remembered him and and all the things that Caesar did for Rome and like all this. And he's he's really tugging on everybody's mm-hmm. heartstrings, and that's how he wins. Like he wins it because like not logic, but just like pure like like emotion and, and, and rhetoric, I suppose, because that's what so much right because he. He has all these rhetorical um, strategies where he repeats the same line over again, and then gradually yes. they know they're supposed to know that that he's been sarcastic the whole time. Right. So Brutus is an honorable right. man. Right. Brutus yeah. is an honorable man. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's climb out of the Shakespeare. <laughs> 
oh hi Dr. Tanny bringing it back to here Dr. Tanny is uh, he's, he's, he's you know he's trying to he's trying to be like oh, oh, oh there, there, there was a story uh, yeah yeah there was a story about right. you know a woman uh, uh, lifts up a car to save it same, same, same thing here <laughs> and he just stands with his arms right. he's like there you go there end there of story <laughs> end of story <laughs> right but yeah so he's he's trying that and and uh, he is he is not convincing Chris, he is not convincing us. He is not convincing anybody, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't want to call Jack Kirby mm. a liar. I don't know him for, and he made the Hulk, so he could the Hulk can come after me for, oh, <laughs> for saying this never happened. Yeah, you don't you don't like him when he's uh, when he's angry. Right? <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, okay. So I th- I think yeah, that's where we end right with mm-hmm. with him saying same thing here. Right? right. Yes. Okay. So I think I think we are we are all done. Um, is there anything else we missed? No. 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 We're done. <laughs> we are. We are definitely done. Okay. <laughs> Um, so are you thinking what I'm thinking then? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the power of Julius Caesar compels you. Friends, womans, countrymen. <laughs> I come to belly Caesar, not to poise him. Oh, wow. That fits perfectly. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> That's great. And at the end, he, he um, they're like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know if you're a tyrant, but I kind of like you, Julius Caesar. And he mm-hmm. says, please, call me Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> call me JC. <laughs> JC, oh, biblical reference. Oh my god. Oh yeah. But that's a that's a that's a uh, that's his title though. Is that your title? Is that your right. name? I don't know. <laughs> Julius is his, is Julius. His name. Yeah, yeah. This is this is so stupid. <laughs> we have we have we have uh, we have gone off on a tangent that's not even funny. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Let let the folks at home be the judge of that. No, I don't want them to do that. There are no more folks at home now.